you did, and as we prepare, you know, our minds, our hearts open up God's Word this morning, it's just great to see you all here for this special service, and whether you're here with us every Sunday or the first time you've ever joined us in person, or if you're with us online, we're glad to have you with us as we uh, just gather together and just celebrate, again, the incredible gift of the Christ child. You know, through this Christmas season, we've been looking uh, at this series called Witness His Majesty, as we've been looking at the Christmas story through second-level characters. You know, if you look at the Bible, the reality is it doesn't really give us a lot of details about the Christmas story. Um, Two of the four Gospels don't even mention the Christmas story at all. In fact, Mark and John just skip over it and start right into Jesus' adult life. Matthew and Luke both give us details uh, of the Christmas story that the other one leaves out. And And yet, through the years, we've put them all together and and filled in the different holes that are still there to arrive at what we know as the traditional Christmas story. Now, there are a lot of perspectives and characters and interactions that just simply aren't in Scripture, but yet all of these people truly witness the majesty of Christ. As they they saw his, his birth and his life and his teachings, in fact, this, this is true regarding every aspect of Jesus' life on earth, not just his birth. And as we approach the Christmas story this year, the challenge to us was to see beyond the traditional story into the second level of what it means to follow Jesus. And as we have done that together through the last several weeks, we've looked at the innkeeper's son, at Joseph, at the mother of Mary, and last Sunday, we looked at the shepherd's wife and look at all the, their different perspectives and interactions with the Christmas story. And now tonight, as we're here on Christmas Eve, as we wrap up this series and, and the Christmas story for another year, I want to focus tonight on the role of the wise men. And again, they are, again, ones that are traditionally in our nativity scene. I mean, we have the the three wise men that we set up there, and, but yet they, they truly are second-level characters as well because the reality is they were not there on the night that Jesus was born. Right? The, as Scripture tells us, and we're going to read uh, the, the passage that, that describes their role in the story, and that is found in Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. So if you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me uh, to Matthew chapter 2. If you don't, there are Bibles provided for you in the seats you're welcome to use, and you'll notice the page number is included there and where you can find it in those Bibles. Again, with us online, if you have your Bible close to you, you can open with us. We're going to read, again, the the story of of the the visitors from the east, from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, where it says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. And King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this as was everyone in Jerusalem. And he called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. And then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star First appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And, this, 
And the star that they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem, and it went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. And they entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. Now, as we read this, this portion of the Christmas story, and, and, and of course the, the one that talks about the wise men and, and them coming to, to visit Jesus and worship him and the gifts they brought and, and all those things that we all know is a very familiar part of the traditional story, but just as I mentioned, as we learn from this text, that the wise men were not there at the manger. In fact, it, it tells us in verse 11 that they found him in a house. But we also learn later in, in the story, right, based on the timetable that Herod kind of lays out, and is that it was even potentially years after the manger when they actually found the Christ child. And so, again, he wasn't lying in a manger. I mean, with all, you know, logic, he was probably a toddler, right, running around, right, and playing, and, and then these, these men show up at the house, right? We also don't know how many wise men there actually were. Again, scripture doesn't tell us. I mean, it, it says there were multiple. I mean, it describes them as multiple, but we always assume there were three because there's three different gifts listed, and we kind of naturally say, oh, there was one per gift, right? But, but we don't really know that. I mean, it doesn't tell us. There might have been two or ten. Also, we know that they were outsiders. Right? They were not Jews. They had traveled from a long way off. And yet, they had learned of, of something significant happening. But these were wise men. They were well studied. They had studied the Jewish scriptures. Right? They, they knew the, the portrayal of a Messiah being coming through the Jewish people. They also had studied the stars. Right? They had studied different many different schools of thought, and, and yet they, they, of what they observed in the stars, they, they realized had confirmed a lot of what they had learned through the Hebrew scriptures as well. And so they decided, again, to come and to investigate themselves, because something very significant had taken place. I said beyond, beyond what the text tells us, really, we don't really know a lot about these men. However, we can, can think about it and kind of fill in some of their motivations or what they were looking for, why they wanted to find this child, all these things. Again, we know that, that something they observed very much caught their attention. So as we think about this, about their role and about their interaction with Jesus, we're going to watch this short video, this portrayal of maybe what a wise man was thinking. Kings, you show reverence, humility, honor. But I had no intention of doing that with this child. We weren't looking for a messiah, just seeking to satisfy our curiosity. You understand. Let's see if A plus B can equal C. So this curiosity led me and my companions to the one they claimed to be. A king. I must tell you, I'm not moved by emotion. Skeptical for the most part. My colleagues say cynical. 
Maybe they're right. I deal in logic. Maps. Stars. Books. History. So we followed the star. We found the mother and father and the boy they called Jesus in Bethlehem. Yes, I was expecting a child, but... Well, there he was. The boy who drove Herod mad. Who held command to armies of angels. Who lured peasant shepherds away from their sole livelihood. This child they claimed to be Messiah. Like I said, I, a king in my own right, had no intention of bowing to this child. I was bound only by curiosity. But then I saw him. And I, I felt a fascination. Something unmistakable. Something I had never seen with my own eyes. Divinity. Since the beginning of time, kings have invented their own wild mythologies of their birth. But this king's birth was foretold by prophets long before he took his first earthly breath. Other kings spread tales to their kingdoms of their triumphs and valor. But this king said nothing. Legions of angels spoke for him. I think of him every day. I went to satisfy my curiosity and the answer I didn't know I needed. The Messiah. As you see this portrayal of a, of a wise man, I mean, he, again, admitted, right? He says, I, I went to Jesus not really knowing what to expect. I mean, they knew they were going to find a child, but, but yet what they found was something very different than what he expected. And so many times, I think, as we've looked at these stories of the Christ child, the interactions that different people had with Jesus, not just as a child, but as he grew up and as he lived his life and, and taught the things of God and represented God's presence on earth and then died on a cross and rose again on the third day and and shared the good news of salvation and, and the, the spread of the gospel. As, as we see all these different act, interactions that people have had with Jesus, we realize that an encounter, truly encounter Jesus, they're never the same. They don't find necessarily what they were expecting, but it was exactly what they needed. And it's exactly, you know, the line, right, of, of the wise man that just sticks in our minds. As he says, I went to satisfy my curiosity and found the answer that I didn't know I needed, a Messiah. And just, you know, we think about our lives and think about what sparks our curiosity. 
I mean, for them, it was, again, studying of the Jewish scriptures, studying of the stars. And when we think about that, again, what, what sparked their curiosity? Why, why would they sacrifice everything they did to travel all of these thousands of miles and all, all this time to, to get a glimpse of the Christ child? But I want to start tonight as we look at the, what sparked everyone's curiosity, right, about the Christ child. This is the most famous prediction of the coming Messiah from the Old Testament. It's found in Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And, and we read this, this short description that's uh, of many like it in the Old Testament, this prediction of the Christ child as he would come, and, and realizing these words, again, were given by a prophet thousands of years before the, that first Christmas. And, and yet the curiosity, right, that is sparked is, is, is looking at this and saying, can one man ever fulfill everything that's described here? I mean, this is a pretty high standard. Uh, and again, this is one verse of, of hundreds out of the Old Testament that, that were predicting this coming Messiah and, and all that he would accomplish and do. And yet, as we look at the life of Jesus, and again, as, as Christians, we believe that Jesus truly was the Messiah, and that he did fulfill everything that this verse says. Not just this one, right? But every other prophecy. I mean, the, the standard was absolutely high, one that only one of divine nature could ever live up to. Right? And, and as we realize this, we, we see again the, the different depictions of Jesus' life, and and descriptions, and, and you know, as we've, we've looked at the gospel writers, and at Matthew and Luke, and how they described the, the birth of Jesus, as I mentioned at the beginning, the gospel of John um, doesn't have a Christmas story, but, but he does talk about the origins of Jesus. Hey, in fact, John chapter 1 is a, is a, is a chapter that is, is incredibly rich of theology, and descriptions, and, and, and different, um, you know, explanations of, of who Jesus is and what he came to accomplish. We see in John chapter 1, verse 14, he says, So the word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. Again, in Jesus, we have a God that understands everything that we deal with. Because we serve a God that literally put on flesh, right, entered into our world. He became human. Which means that there's nothing that you face in life that God doesn't know and understand. I mean, just think about that, that for a moment, right? About that the creator of the world knows exactly what you struggle with, right? Because he experienced it too. Because he was 100% God, I mean, divine, that's how we could live up to all of the standards, but he was also 100% human. And he experienced every emotion and, and every struggle and every victory and, and everything that we deal with, he also dealt with and yet was without sin. And so Jesus is a savior that knows what we need to be saved from. Right, not from a distance, but from stepping into our world right, and living that life, right, of Jesus of Nazareth. 
Again, John gives us all these, these incredible descriptions in, in the first chapter. I want to look at not only Jesus the Savior that knows what we need to be saved from, but, but we learn in verses 10 through 13, where John says, he says, he came into the very world he created, but the world didn't recognize him. He came to his own people, and even they rejected him. But to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. And they are reborn, not with a physical birth resulting from human passion or plan, but a birth that comes from God. And that is truly what, again, the Messiah offers all of us, is, is a chance to be reborn. I mean, not, again, not, not to start over as a baby, but, but to start over right, as forgiven. Right, to start over with the things that we've messed up on and the things that we fall short in. And through the power of Jesus, right, that he came, again, to, to save us. That Jesus is a Savior that has the power to give us a fresh start. Right, and when we join the journey of faith, that's, again, we get made a new creation. And, and again, our sins are washed away by the blood of the Lamb and, and we can start new. We see that's exactly what the, the mission of the Savior was. I mean, John goes, goes deeper into it through his gospel, but we look at one of the most famous verses of all of Scripture. Later, a few chapters later in John's gospel, he tells us, right, the mission of the Messiah. I mean, John 3, 16 and 17. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world. Through him. Again, we think about the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus' life. Right? This, as John tells us and gives us this picture of who Jesus really was and why he came. And we know that, again, we are saved through Jesus, but John tells us why. And what motivated God? And, and again, Jesus is a Savior that is motivated by love. He's a relational God that wants a relationship with us. And he knew that that relationship was broken because of our sin and because of the darkness of our world. And so he sent the Savior again, motivated by love, to restore that relationship. And as we think about the Christmas story, and again, it's not just about his birth, but it's way more about his life, of what we're celebrating at Christmas. And we see that Jesus, again, is the Savior that brings all these things into our lives. And yet we go back to the most basic things about Jesus. Right, and why he's important and why we celebrate him and why we have Christmas and why it's a big deal. And it's actually the very opening verses of John's Gospel. And they're incredibly powerful words. In John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5. He starts with the summary, right? That, that everything that, that Jesus was about. He says, in the beginning, the word already existed. And the word was God. And the word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him. And nothing was created except through him. The word gave life to everything that was created. And his life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness can never extinguish it, right? The light shines in the darkness, 
And through Christmas season, is again, we have lights all around us, right? I mean, we have decorate our houses and put it on trees and we light candles. And again, light is a big part of the celebration of the life of Jesus. Right? Light is, is one that, again, brings goodness into our life. It represents so much. Like Jesus is the eternal light in our lives. It's through him we are saved. It's through him we are made new. It's, it's through him we can find purpose and, and peace that can't be found in the world. Right? It's, it's through him that we see this light shine into us and then through us. That light is, is an illustration that's used all throughout Scripture to represent God's holiness. And as we think about this Christmas holiday, whether it's lighting candles or decorating our homes or celebrating with our families, the, we're celebrating is the light that God brings into our lives. And no matter how dark your life might feel, no matter how dark the world gets, God is still there shining bright. And the ultimate gift of Christmas is the presence of God in our lives. Right? And that is the ultimate gift. Now over the next 24 hours or so, you're likely going to receive all kinds of gifts. Probably some gifts that you really want and perhaps even one that you didn't even know you needed. And when we think about the life of Jesus, that he is the ultimate gift, the Christ child. Whether you came tonight out of curiosity, or you came tonight out of obligation, or out of tradition, or out of devotion, it doesn't really matter why you came tonight. But Jesus is something that you need. And my hope is that you will be here not just to celebrate Christmas, and for whatever reason you came, but that you will move forward in your journey with Christ. Maybe you're here, you don't have a faith in Christ. Maybe you've never even heard about Jesus. We're glad you're here and, and learning about him. And, and if that's true for you, I, I hope that you will join the journey of faith. And you do that through believing that God sent Christ as his son. By believing that he lived a sinless life. Believing that he died on a cross and rose again. And then accepting the gift that comes through his death and resurrection, that gift of eternal life. That's how you join the journey of faith. And that's how you can start that journey, is just by praying and receiving Christ and saying, God, I believe in you. Please forgive my sins. Come into my life. Make me new, right? And shine your light into my heart and my mind and my life and, and into this world. And if you already know Christ, I hope that, that this Christmas season will continue to, to grow your faith and move you forward in your journey so that your light will continue to get brighter right, as God's presence transforms your heart and makes you more like Christ tomorrow than you are today. And we move forward in our journey. Right? And as that light gets brighter, the brighter it gets, the more that it spreads. Right, and the more that it spreads, the more that other people find Jesus. Right, the more that we can shine his light into our dark world. And again, 
no matter why you came tonight, I hope that you will leave with the light of Christ. Lord God, we praise you tonight. God, for the light that you shine into our lives, in our hearts, and into our world. God, we praise you for the ultimate gift of the Christ child. For the difference you make in our own hearts and lives and saving us, making us new. Lord, we pray for your spirit to continue to go into this world. Lord, to transform hearts and lives. Lord, for your light to truly shine in the darkness. We love you. We praise you and thank you, God, for the incredible gift of the Christ child. Thank you for this Christmas season as we celebrate all that you bring into our lives. Guide us as we go and as we celebrate with our friends and family in the coming days. We love you. We praise you. Thank you for the Christ child. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.